Well, good morning and welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship Online. We are thrilled that you have logged in and joined us this morning. We hope you and your family are doing great. We hope you're staying healthy, washing your hands, and taking all the necessary precautions. And whether you're joining us from our website, from Facebook, or YouTube, we want you to know that even though we're keeping our physical distance, we're not keeping our spiritual distance. Instead, we want to connect with you. So please, whatever channel you happen to be viewing us on, would you interact with us? Take a moment and type something into the chat window. Say hello to someone. Let us know who's watching with you. Send in a prayer request. Or, or just give the Lord a great hallelujah. Or an old-fashioned amen. So because even in the midst of all this uncertainty, you can be sure of at least one thing. God loves you. And because of that, he's worthy of our praise. That ought to be worth an amen or two in the chat window, right? Can I hear it? There you go. Thank you. Hey, there's lots of great things going on here at Lighthouse. God is doing some wonderful things even now in the midst of all this craziness. So let's hear what's happening with our youth and our children. Hey, good morning there. It's uh, Nancy. I hope y'all are doing well this morning. I have a few announcements for you from our youth and our kids departments. Uh, youth uh, is having their confirmation class today. It starts at 2 o'clock. Uh, they also have Sunday school at 1130. And on Wednesday nights, they're meeting at 630. And all three of these classes are going to be held on a Zoom video conference. Uh, and for information how to get connected, uh, to contact Garrett at the information below, okay? And then for the um, kids, Lighthouse Kids, uh, we've taken it out of Sunday's uh, service and we've given them their own time on Lighthouse um, Kids Facebook page. So after today's service, go ahead and check that. We have the dance videos on there for the kids and then we have their weekly lesson. Uh, and you also are going to find our weekly challenges on there and hopefully some pictures that y'all send us we will post and uh, we're just trying to make it a little easier for y'all and uh, all have it in one place so i hope that helps um, simplify things for you uh, we are trying to get a zoom sunday school class set up with the teachers to contact your kids and we'll be in touch with you about that in the next few days have a blessed day talk to you soon Wow, that is so great to hear the wonderful things that are taking place for our children and youth. But that's not all the great things that are taking place around here. Even in the midst of this cra crazy world, God is doing some amazing things among us. I want you to remember the number 5555 because that is an amazing number. As you may know, we've had to postpone our mission trip to Kenya, all because of the COVID-19 concerns. Uh, the virus hasn't hit that area like it has hit us right now, but it's only a matter of time. And we know that once it gets into the remote areas of Kenya, it is going to be devastating. So we are working with our partners over in Kenya to be able to supply medical needs. Uh, and through your generosity, you have donated $5,555 to purchase medical supplies. What a huge difference that is going to make Thank you for your generosity. To God goes the glory and the credit for that. Another th great thing that is happening around here right now is that this is the beginning of Holy Week. And it's going to be a wonderful set of experiences that we're planning for you for Holy Thursday and Good Friday services. Be sure and check the Lighthouse app for more details. 
And don't forget that today is Palm Sunday, a celebration of that great day in which people had gathered in Jerusalem to worship the God who had powerfully delivered them from Egyptian slavery. There was an excitement in the air as people gathered to worship. And in the midst of that moment, in comes riding Jesus. And what do the people do to honor Him? They throw down palm branches to make a path for Him. That's the sort of thing that you do to honor a king. So how ironic that just a few days later, this, this very crowd that was, that was celebrating and saying, Hosanna in the highest, would soon be saying, crucify Him. And yet, through it all, God loved them. And He loves you and me as well. We've got a great morning planned for you. We've been praying for this moment that we're about to experience right now. We gather in our living rooms and from around the globe to worship a God who through it all loves us. We gather filled with faith, not fear. We pray that courage will be the only contagion that envelops us. After all, we are ambassadors of hope to a hope-starved world. We are the bringers of joy to a world that needs to hear that God loves them. In 1911, Henry Van Dyke, overwhelmed by the beauty of the mountains and the grandeur that he was witnessing, wrote these words to the song we're about to sing. Joyful, joyful, we adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of love, Hearts unfolding like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Let's praise the God of glory and the Lord of love. Amen, Pastor Dan. And we are here this morning, church, here together across the internet to worship and bless and praise the name of the God of glory and the Lord of love. Would you lift up this hymn? with me today. Oh, praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is my health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near. Praise Him and glad 
God of love. This next song we're going to sing simply says this, let everything that's in me, let everything within me bless the being with us today. We'll see you soon. Good morning. I want to begin by uh, thanking Kelly for the wonderful time of reflection uh, that she led us in just a few moments ago. We praise God for that gift, Kelly. Thank you. I want to remind you that on Thursday night, uh, we're going to have our good fr our uh, Holy Thursday service. That'll be at seven o'clock. And also again on Friday night, 
we'll have a uh, again an online service only for Good Friday. These will both be at seven o'clock. They'll be online only. And uh, on Thursday night at the Holy Thursday service, I'm going to invite you to join me in in communion in the Lord's Supper because we'll be doing a, a, a reenactment of uh, the, the night that Jesus spent with his friends. And at the conclusion of that, I'd like to invite all of our church family to join in in serving Holy Communion to one another. So you're going to need to get prepared for that. Uh, and that means you're going to either get some grape juice or some orange juice or some water or some wine or whatever it is. And uh, also some bread. If you don't have some bread, use a cracker. If you don't have a cracker, get a Ritz cracker. Or uh, get a, you could even use an Oreo if you really wanted to. Uh, the point is that we're going to remember the symbolism that Jesus gives to us that night. We want everybody to take that as a family. We're gonna do it again on Sunday, on Easter, next Sunday, and we're gonna celebrate uh, communion along with the rest of many, many thousands of other churches and hundreds of thousands of people all around the world who have been uh, uniting around Second uh, Chronicles 714. Uh, so just be prepared for the uh, coming up this later this week. Also, before I do anything else, I just wanna give a shout out to my dear dad, uh, Dad turned 93 yesterday. Can the church say amen? Uh, what a great gift uh, he is to our family. Love you, Dad, and love Jean. Mom Jean, you guys are such gifts to me and to this world. So with that, let me invite you to pray with me. God, thank you for the day, and thank you for the opportunity for us to gather as a church. Uh, Lord, in our homes, what a gift to us to have the technology to be able to do this. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move and speak through me, even me, God, in this time, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So today is Palm Sunday, and I want to invite you to think with me about what happened on Palm Sunday from the perspective of the Bible. We know that Jerusalem is swelling with people. In fact, the statisticians tell us that it looks as though, it would appear as though, Jerusalem would typically swell to double in size, or maybe triple in size, maybe even a million people that would flood Jerusalem at this time of year because Passover was the greatest celebration the Jews had. Jews would come from all around the known world to celebrate Passover in the holy city. We know that there were uh, sacrifices that were going on in the temple day and night for days on end. Uh, and this was a way that people were trying to reconnect with God using the animal sacrifices as they'd been instructed to do so from the Bible. And there was a great buzz that was going on in Jerusalem, as it typically would be, but there was more to it this year. Because there was word spreading around that Jesus might be in Jerusalem for the Passover meal. People were talking about Jesus. There was word about him healing people. There was word about him very recently even, having raised a man who had died back to life. In fact, Jesus had actually spent the very night before he began his journey into Jerusalem with that family, with Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead, and Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, these three dear friends of Jesus. John 11 tells us that uh, word had been sent to Jesus that Lazarus was very sick. They had sent word to Jesus because they wanted him to come. Jesus was not able to arrive before Lazarus died. In fact, when he did arrive, Lazarus had been in the grave already. Jesus is seen by Lazarus's sister Mary from a distance and she races out to Jesus. And in her sadness, she says to Jesus, if you only had been here before he would have died, 
that he would not have had to die. And then one of the smallest verses of the Bible is spoken. It says simply, Jesus wept in response to the compassion that Jesus had for Lazarus' sister, Mary. Jesus goes to the grave and Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. But even so, Jesus tells some of the men there to remove the stone, move the stone away from the entrance to the grave. And then there's this very dramatic scene in which Jesus shouts out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And you can only imagine what that would have been like to see the dead man walking out of his tomb. Can you imagine a scene like that? The grave cloths still wrapped around his body. Surely, word would have spread quickly about this amazing scene that no one had ever seen before of a man who was dead, now alive. It's no wonder that the whole area was pregnant with anticipation of not just the Passover meal, but the opportunity, the possibility of seeing Jesus. Jesus gives his friends instructions to go and to a particular place, find a colt, a young donkey. This was symbolic because Zechariah, a prophet of God who lived hundreds of years earlier, had proclaimed, prophesied, that when the king would come, he would come riding on a colt, which was a, a, a way that kings were typically brought in as they traveled through countrysides. It was the ride of a king. Jesus leaves the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and heads down the dusty road from Bethany to Jerusalem across the Kidron Valley. And the Bible tells us that the street there was lined with people who would take off their outer cloaks and lay them on the road, which was a, a way of keeping the dust down, but it was a way of treating a king as royalty. People would go out into the fields and they would cut branches from trees or even from crops, and they would wave them as Jesus passed by, shouting, Hosanna, the king has come. This is why we call it Palm Sunday, because of the branches that were there. What a spectacle it must have been. As the story unfolds in Luke 19, I'm going to read to you verses 41 and 42, just two verses. And it says this, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Let me read it again. It says, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. He wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. This is the second passage in all the Bible in which it says that Jesus wept, Jesus cried. The Dutch artist Rembrandt did many paintings of Jesus, depicted in lots of different scenarios. One of them is called The Head of Christ. And I'm told that if you were to see the painting in person, that if you put one hand over one of his eyes, shielding the other eye from view, that it looks as though Jesus is filled with resolve, with determination. But if you move your hand to the other eye and cover it, 
it appears as though Jesus is sad. This painting points us to two truths that we gather from these verses. The first one is sadness. Jesus feels sadness because Jerusalem is ignorant of what is required for peace. And it makes him sad. The nation of Israel, Jerusalem in particular, has made a choice. And Jesus looks at the nation and he says to them, if you had only known on that day, what would bring you peace? The people are looking for another great king like David. Under David's reign, Israel had become the power in the region. They enjoyed peace and prosperity. It was the pinnacle of Israel's existence to that point. The people of Jerusalem in Jesus' day think that that's the kind of peace that they need. Peace that comes from the environment in which they're living. If they only had a king like David again, we'd show the world who was boss. We'd have economic prosperity and, and nobody would mess with us again. Jesus is sad because they've made their choice. And because of that choice, Jesus has come to die. He would be damned by the end of the week. The same people that were lining the, the streets with the palm branches and waving them, saying, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Those very same people later that week would be shouting to Pilate, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus' sadness was a mirror image from the night before when after celebrating the Paschal meal, the Passover meal with his friends, he went out to the Mount of Olives with them to pray. And while he prayed, Mark, uh, Luke's gospel tells us that he asked God to take this pathway from him. In fact, he was so passionate about asking God to take this away from him that it says in Luke that Jesus started sweating profusely it seemed as though they were drops of blood that would fall from his body. And Jesus said, not my will, but your will, Heavenly Father. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Certainly there was a sense of sadness that he was experiencing. But at the same time, part of what we see in Jesus is his resolve. He loved them so much. He is filled with compassion for the people who don't understand what they need. They want peace as a nation. Jesus has come not to be king over the land, but to be king over their hearts. Because God knew that the land, our circumstances, cannot provide peace other than some kind of temporary peace. Jesus knew that real peace comes from an inner place when one's heart is filled with God. And that's why Jesus came to bring us that peace, regardless of the circumstances. Jesus had accepted that they had made their choice. They wanted political stability, when heart stability is what they really needed. And this is so important for us as we continue to struggle and consider with the world that is going on around us. There's a lot of weight that is being felt because of this coronavirus. Some of you watching may be filled with sadness. Maybe you're struggling with sadness at this time. The world has changed. From three weeks ago to today, the world looks much different, wouldn't you say? Your sadness could be from the grief of what has been lost, the grief of the people who are dying or are infected at this time. It could be 
Sadness that is a result of maybe some fear. Fear about what may be coming. Fear about what may, may happen in another week or another month or who knows when. Let me encourage you today to remember that the condition of your life is not to be based on your circumstances, but rather on the condition of your heart. And if your heart is filled with Jesus, you can find peace. I hope that there are some of you watching today who are tuned in because you're looking for something because you're afraid, or maybe you're sad, and you're looking for peace. You need to know that the message of the church for the last 2,000 years is the same, that God knew that we all look for peace in our lives, but that peace can only be found when you ask Jesus to lead your life. At, La at Lighthouse, we say that the reason the church exists is because everyone has a God-shaped hole that only Jesus can fill. You see, God knew, God knows, that for the human race to quit looking to other places, to quit looking to their nation to give them peace, they'd have to look for God, but they'd have to find a way to have an encounter with God, and that's why Jesus came. Somebody would have to intervene intervene on our behalf, somebody would have to do what people could not do for themselves. So John's gospel says, God sent his one and only son to do what we could not do for ourselves, provide the pathway to God, that through Jesus, we would find life, the only way to find peace. Does your life have this peace? The only peace you or I will ever have is through faith, that Jesus is the Son of God, and to turn away from our lives that are self-serving and turn to Him. Would you make Jesus the Lord of your life today? As we struggle on this constant, under this constant barrage of news and how death, the death toll continues to rise, and with finding ourselves essentially homebound and practicing social distancing, it's challenging. Our world has turned upside down and it would be easy for anxiety to grow in us about our circumstances and about our future. Would you be willing today to acknowledge that we are just like those people who lined the streets that day with Jesus? That very often we look to our leaders for the peace that our lives need. We think that peace comes from living in the right place or having the right house or having the right car or the right amount of money. Jesus looks at us and says, don't you know that you'll never have the peace that you want, the peace that you long for, until you make me Lord of your life? Do you know this? Have you done this? Have you made Jesus the king of your heart? It's such a simple thing to do, to pray a simple prayer and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to acknowledge that you have sought peace on your own and you cannot find it, and that you're willing to let God bring you the peace that you seek. The peace that you and I seek is not peace that we can find from binge watching something on Amazon or Netflix, or peace that you can't find because you scored another six pack. And I'm not talking about beer, I'm talking about a six pack of toilet paper these days, right? The peace that we can find can only be found in Him. Jesus looked out across that Hidron, the Kidron Valley, looking at the city of Jerusalem, and he wept because he, had, he knew they had made their choice and it brought him sadness. 
But it also brought him a deep resolve to know that he had to do what nobody else could do. He had to go into town to prepare his life to die so that you and I could have peace. Our son Nathan and his wife Jess and their daughter Ariella came to visit us on their spring break about a month ago. It was right before we had the stay-at-home mandate starting and, and things were continuing to get crazy around us. And as they packed up and headed out in their car on that Tuesday morning, Christy and I stood in our driveway out back here and we waved goodbye to them and we both had peace. We had peace because we knew that no matter what happened, we would see them again one day because of Jesus, because Jesus is alive in them. You know, I thought about it myself. What if I got the coronavirus? Hopefully I would survive, but maybe I would die. And there's one sure thing that I know about my life, and that is that someday I'm gonna die. But when I die, I'm gonna have great peace because Jesus lives in me. And where I go when I die will be a place that I will forever have peace because Jesus is my peace. Now, before I conclude today, I wanna to ask you to do me a favor. In order for us to continue to keep our lives focused on the peace of God, I wanna ask you to find a candle. And I wanna ask you that every night, as we continue our prayer alarm time at six o'clock, I wanna ask you to light a candle at six o'clock and put it somewhere in your home where people can see it with regularity. Christy and I are gonna put ours on the countertop in the kitchen so that as we're in the kitchen, which we pass through there frequently, that as we're in the kitchen, we can take the opportunity to be reminded by this candle that Jesus is the light of the world. I invite you to leave it on, like I said, for the hour and use it as your reminder. Teach your children when you light it that we light the candle because Jesus is the light of the world. We light this candle because Jesus is our peace. And every time you walk through the kitchen or wherever you put your candle, may you know that this is simply a reminder to you that Jesus is our peace. And may you take a breath and remember that peace that comes from Jesus. Let us today put away our self-righteousness, our self-sufficiency, and admit our defeat in this world, and accept that Jesus is the only one who can do what we need. And isn't that appropriate? Isn't that what we want from a king, is that a king would do what we cannot do for ourselves? Jesus is our peace. And let me finish with this. As Paul did in his letter to the church at Philippi, listen, as I read to you from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Amen. Have an awesome day and week. And as we finish up today, Kaylee Morris, the youngest daughter of our Dan and Mimi Morris, is going to lead us in prayer. Be blessed and have a great day. Dear God, uh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to um, access this technology to be together today. Um, please be with our brothers and sisters in Kenya since we cannot go to assist them during this difficult time. Uh, let them know that you are with them. Uh, please be with uh, our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering through this and uh, let us know your presence through all of this. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we depart this morning, hear these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. And to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine, according to his great power working within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Be blessed.